Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, joined today by Joe Thomas and Gal Buckland as we look back on Everton's disappointing, but not too down, 3-0 defeat to Manchester City Goodison Park on Sunday afternoon. A brace from Ilkley Gundogan and a header from Erlen Haaland. The difference, the result pretty much means everything's still to play for as we head into the final two games of the Premier League season. And Joe, you were alongside me at Goodison yesterday. And although the Blues were beaten, they were certainly not disgraced. Well, they certainly weren't disgraced, no. I mean, I think it was a game that... It's weird because it was a game that played out, I think, precisely how most of us expected it to play out. And bearing in mind how unexpected what happened at Brighton was, mm-hmm. maybe we should, maybe our expectations should have been slightly different. But you know, I, I don't think many people expected Everton to get too much from that yesterday. Thought they were good to start with. Thought there were shades of Newcastle at home and Arsenal away, where they were playing against what's obviously a better side. And for the first 30, 35 minutes, they were competitive, arguably even the better side. Obviously, we know they had the the chance with Mason Holgate. I thought it was a very good chance live. I tweeted that. I got a lot of people saying that isn't a very good chance at all. It's really difficult for him. I'm on the fence now. I've seen replays. I kind of, I can definitely understand why, you know, it ended up not going in the back of the net. But, but I also just kind of think, oh, if only you just anticipated it a little bit better. It was close. It was a big chance. Um, but up until that point, up until the point of the first goal, which really came out of nothing, and it was you know a sublime piece of individual skill. Up until that point, it was relatively comfortable for Everton, or it conceded a lot of possession. But City didn't have a lot of chances, and Everton were posing. They were causing a few problems with their press on the break. So, you know, I thought he set up probably as well as he could. Obviously, Holgate comes in for Mikalenko with Godfrey injured probably isn't an alternative. So the only other alternative is put Patterson at left back. Don't and... go too much into because we are going to get into that later because <laughs> I think it's a, a, a big debate that I think is going okay. to grow as the week goes okay. on. But I think given the circumstance, it was understandable how it ended up in the situation where that was the starting lineup. Um, and I thought for the most part, you know, they, they tried hard and they, they lost it because a far better side just scored two goals out of nothing 10 minutes before half time and finished the game off a few minutes later. Mm. Obviously, I don't think we learned anything new about Everton's plight from that game. Um, probably the big questions, which is something else we're going to come on to clearly, is is now, one, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, two, Vitaly Mikolenko, and then three, David Moyes and Wissam. That's the agenda. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think you know what Joe says there in terms of that little bit of class, that little bit of class, that, a lot of that class that City have got, was shown in that first goal, wasn't it? Because it was a tight opening, you know, 35 so minutes. Everton arguably had the best chance at Mason Holgate, but then, you know, Gundogan just produces something else and nothing, and all of a sudden, Everton are behind and a little bit kind of maybe all over the place and uh, punished again. And then a couple of minutes later, Alan Harland. Yeah, he got into a similar position 
earlier in the half, hasn't he, Gundogan at the edge of the six-yard box in the same part of the pitch. Maybe Patterson should have done a little bit more, perhaps, in anticipating where the ball was going. But, yeah, you can't... Gundogan, he's in great form at the moment, isn't he? And he's been, he's been brilliant for them the last few weeks, and he was brilliant yesterday. He's man of the match by a distance, and you, you can't legislate for that, really. And then, as you say, I thought the second goal was the killer. But, I mean, I know we've had problems over people saying about poor Marker, but what's Harlan's movement when the, uh, the, you know, when the ball, before the ball's crossed, he, he gallops across the penalty area like something I've never seen before from a football player just to get himself in position. And you, you can't really mark that. It, 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 he made, you know, I know it looks so he's unmarked, but his pace, he, and he's in that position so quick that nobody, it, it's impossible to pick him up. And, uh, yeah, that was the killer. Yeah, and, and I know Joe was talking about Arsenal and uh, Newcastle. I'd I say, I'd, I'd agree. Um, the, 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 where I think yesterday was more positive in both those games, we collapsed to a certain degree, didn't we? We never got that impression yesterday that was going to happen indeed. I think maybe because we've got a game midweek as well. The second half was quite bright when it went 3-0. Um, and uh, you never you never thought that the, the, the players were... You know, I'd, I'd given up. And I think, you know, let's face it, they're the best team on the planet. They'll probably get beat by Real Madrid now <laughs> this week. But yeah, this is they're one of the greatest teams you've ever seen in this country. And I, I thought we acquitted ourselves well. Uh, and as you say, a moment of genius after 30 odd star minutes um, ultimately started started um, City's march to victory. We will come into the the, the, the game and, and different parts of Joe, but just to look back on when it goes three 0 because obviously me and you sit next to each other in the press box, and I must admit, having looked at goal difference before the game, and then when the ball hits the back of the third, I was a little bit worried, thinking this could very quickly now become four, five, possibly six because of whoever they're playing, mm-hmm. and the, you know, fine array of attack and talent that Manchester City have got, headed by the fact that one of the more clinical goal scorers we're probably ever going to see in football leads the line. How pleased was it to kind of see that Everton, you know, kind of regroup, stuck in, got the shape, no kind of Cody come on and Everton kind of shore things up a little bit from mm-hmm. a, a defensive point of view. But they didn't crumble. They didn't fall apart. And they weren't beaten four or five, six. It stayed 3 0. And, and that goal difference still looks a lot better today than what it possibly could have done. It was obvious to City that they'd won it. And know whilst they were obviously playing a second string, well, not quite a second, but they'd made a few changes with Real Madrid in mind coming up and obviously further tests in the title race. I almost, I, 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 I don't, I, you know, I, I don't, I think they took their foot off the pedal and obviously mm. it's pleasing that Everton didn't collapse, but I don't think they were under any real pressure in that last half an hour, those last 40 minutes. And unfortunately as well, you know, whilst it could have been so much worse, I think the damage has been done with the goal difference. You know, they had a four goal head start on, on Leeds. That's effectively worth an extra point. Now it's just one. That's still useful, but that's a lot closer than we'd like it to be now. There's a degree of, you could argue there's a degree of inevitability with that. Chances are you're going to lose to Man City and you don't want to become a cricket score. Um, but when you compare, and Leeds were very fortunate that this was the case, I think, but just one of the many, many narratives and the many kind of juxtapositions that we may end up looking back on may be that, 
Leeds scored that late goal at Man City last weekend mm. and they lost 2-1, whereas Everton have lost 3-0 and all of a sudden that's almost conceded an extra point in mm-hmm. you know in, in the tie race. I think Leeds have scored more goals than Everton as well. I'll say I think. I think everyone bar Southampton now has pretty much scored more goals <laughs> than, than, than Everton. So, you know, and that's what it comes down to. Should should they finish that on points and goal difference, I think. So um so, yeah, I think pleased would be the wrong word. Obviously, Sean Dyche was quite positive about the final 35 minutes. Um, I think, to be perfectly honest, that it was just by that point, it was almost like Everton knew the game was lost, Man City knew the game was won, and they just played out 30 minutes. And it was, yeah, we both got bigger fish to fry now. Let's save ourselves for then. So, essentially, we all wasted 30 minutes of our lives. I yeah. think so. I think, <laughs> I think... Stage, you're watching an exhibition game, as, as they like to call it, an exhibition. 30 minutes. You know, I think if Sean Dyche and Pep Guardiola could have shaken hands in 65 yeah. minutes and put everyone off the pitch, I think they would have done. And I think probably every fan there would have, <laughs> yeah. on both sides would have probably been, God, you know what, I might get home yeah. for me Sunday dinner a bit quicker. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, Gavin, in terms of like the, the, the goal difference and stuff like that, I know I've seen last night there was a few people kind of talking about goal difference saying, well, why are we worrying? But this is a factor that could come into play, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's something that is where keeping an eye on and being aware of because there's a very strong possibility that it could come into play in the next couple of weeks. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's fine margins, isn't it? It goes back to, you know, ninety seven, ninety eight, how close it was with, with Bolton. And yeah, but at the same time, you know, Leeds winning one 0 and got a penalty on Saturday to make it two 0 after half yeah. an hour against the Newcastle team who were obviously struggling. And you would, you would have taken a point there, wouldn't you, at that stage, the Leeds? So you, you can pick positives and negatives to suit your mood in this, can you? And that's what we tended to do, or everybody's been doing. And I look at it like that that was a decent result for us, the Leeds game, uh, to be fair, from given those circumstances. I know they scored to make it 2 all, but I had to settle for that. Yeah, mm. you've got, but ultimately it's still largely into in our own hands, and we've got to make sure that goal difference doesn't become it, an issue. And um, I, I think we've got. I, I, I know I get City taking the foot off the gas, but it's good to see that after two decent, not two, two extraordinary great performance at Brighton on the back of a decent performance at Leicester, we sort of carried that mm. that mindset and that organisation. From those two matches and, and 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 belief in a little bit of fight from those two games into into the Manchester City game, because I mean that's seven times City have beaten us on the run at Goodison, and I think in the vast majority of those games we set out at the start quite clearly to make it a damage limitation exercise, but you never got that sense of that yesterday, mm-hmm. did you? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I think it was so we could we kept our momentum, even though we got beat three and that's a sounds like an oxymoron, but we sort of kept that momentum of of fighting belief from those two away matches into the city game and, and I think that takes us into the Wolves game in good heart. 
and the bonus game. So I I I believe that goal difference won't be an issue because I think we'll be clear based on what I've seen over the last three games. I think Joe, in terms of the big talk of punch from the game, one of them arrived before kickoff, before the ball was even kicked. When team news came in and Vitaly Mikhailenko was was out the match day squad and Mason Hoggett coming at left back, obviously later transpired that Mikhailenko picked up a groin injury and mm-hmm. in training on Saturday, and it, it appears from what Sean and I've seen that it happened very late into the session and and perhaps derailed Evans' plans a little bit because they were unable to to change too much of what they've been working on given the the time and, and mm. such around the, the injury before the game had to play. I think Hoggett, Mason Hoggett's had a tough couple of weeks and. That toughness continued yesterday. I think after about 10 minutes, it was quite clear that City's game plan was to switch to play and get, get Mares in, in behind him. And I think I tweaked about myself about five or 15 minutes saying it could be a bit of a torrid afternoon for the for the, 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 the defender left back. But the fact of Mikalenko could be out, we don't know if he will be out, but he could be out next Saturday, is a major concern because quite clearly Evan have a problem on that left hand side if he's not available. Yeah, I think it's a thigh injury, I think, with Mikolenko and um So yeah, Tom's got the other Obviously injury. asked asked Sean about the extent of it yes, and he said that they were gonna to have to wait and see this week. So I think that you know, probably on Mikolenko and on Dom, you know, there'll be a few murmurs over the course of the next few days, but it's probably gonna be the press conference. Judging how everything went the last time Dominic Calvaloon was injured. I think it's probably going to be Thursday before we actually get any insights um, from, from how things are going on that perspective. And I think that there have been points in this season where I don't think Mikalenko would necessarily have been a massive loss. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, like most Everton players, he's had an up and down season. And there have been times when, obviously, we know Godfrey you know, was chosen ahead of Mikalenko initially after Mikalenko's illness and then he retained his spot. And, and there were games in which it made sense for, for Godfrey to be there ahead of Mikalenko. Well, Godfrey isn't an option at the minute because he's injured. And again, I asked Sean Deitch about him yesterday. He didn't get the sense that there's much hope that Godfrey's going to be back fit for the end of this mm-hmm. week. And then it comes down to, I just, I think that, Mikalenko could be a much bigger issue than perhaps I would initially have thought it would have been if he is that he's out for a, a sustained period of time. I have got nothing to say that he is. I, like, I genuinely don't know. Um, because when you look at that side now, what do you do without Mikalenko? Now, yesterday they played Holgate. Holgate struggled. Okay, he struggled against Maris. Maris is a wonderful player. But Holgate is just so clearly, you know, he's right-footed Holgate and he can't play it right back. You know, mm. he, he was absolutely, you know, he was rinsed into an early bath by Jordan Ayew. Um, you put him on the left-hand side, it's even harder for him. And I have every sympathy for Holgate, he's not a full-back. Um, but, you know, that just, just doesn't work. And if you, if you don't play Holgate there, then um, Holgate there, then you've got, you've got two, got two chances, two choices, haven't you, really? You're, if you stay at 4 4 well, I don't even know what the choices are. Really. You say, I mean, it's, it's, it, everything points towards Dwight McNeil playing either at left back or left wing back, yeah. and that's a real, real concern. You, know, you could potentially put Patterson at left back and Holgate at right back, but that's still a problem. Bearing in mind the whole how much Holgate, out position as well, and how much Holgate struggled <laughs> at right back. So, yeah, there just isn't with with Coleman also out injured, Godfrey out injured. This isn't that option. And then you think, well, okay, it might force Deitch to change style. Well, the only style that's worked for Deitch at Evans so far is 4-5-1. So he's got to do that. 
if he has to put McNeil at left wing back, he's sacrificing one of Everton's most effective players of recent months, mm. one of the you know, most effective attacking outlets, which could be even more significant if Dominic Calvert-Lewin is in the fit. And then you then throw into the mix, obviously, if you're then going to go play in three centre-backs, well, Connor Cody isn't available to play against Wolves because obviously he's on loan from, mm. from that club. So then you're looking at probably, you know, Mina Tarkovsky and Keane. That might not be the worst thing in the world, but essentially you're going into a game where Mikolenko's absence, if it is going to be an absence, you know, forces a lot of square pegs into round holes and a lot of changes at a time when, you know, Evan could really do without them. Like it's it's kind of almost you know, a bit of a low-key thing, but like, uh, you know, Mikolenko is a much bigger loss given the injuries of other players now than he would have been at other points in the season, mm-hmm. and it is a problem. Gav, you know, Joe says there in terms of round pegs and square holes. I spoke to Alex Wolby after the game yesterday in, in the mix zone, and he was kind of quite clear that, you know, although it's unfortunate that having to pick up injuries is not a big concern, you know, anyone who comes in is capable of doing a job and, and stuff like that, but I think what Everton fans have seen so far this season is that just because you've got a squad full of players doesn't mean the people are doing jobs in positions when called upon. And this is the worst possible time, isn't it, for have, to have square pegs in round holes because when you need everyone on the pitch in their natural positions, like we've seen how effective it can be to play out, people out of position is just far from ideal. Yeah, well, especially especially fullback, which is such an important part of the part of a team's formation now, isn't it? Really about what they offer and also. You know, you nullify McNeil's attacking prowess if you're asking them to track back because you know you've not got your yeah. first choice fullback playing at left back, and um, and then that that also causes you a problem. Yeah, and I think some of that is should you looking to be looking at your recruitment there, getting players who are a bit more flexible and, and really can play. I think we said about I mean, don't talk about Moyes, but Moyes had players from like Les Scott who could play fullback and. He started fullback, didn't he? Then yeah. centre out and moved around, you know. And I think Brantwaite is sort of being looked at as like a similar type of player. Yeah, and I agree. With, I agree with Joe. It's just like it. And some, it's it's a problem. And some of it is some parts of the problem is McNeil's good form, isn't it? That McNeil's being our best player, and you don't want to sort of say nullify his effectiveness by asking him to track back because you've not got your first choice. Left back playing. If McNeil wasn't in such great form, you'd probably be more happy for him to play in that area. And that that's that's funny how these things work out. But yeah, it it has to be Wolves, doesn't it? Where we can't play the one game where you might want to play a back play anyway. You can't play cozy. So yeah. that you know that that that's just another. Some of them so far, essentially. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's, it is funny. I mean, the last what over the last month we've had Godfrey at right back and left back and Holgate at right back and left back, haven't we? Yeah. Which which speaks absolute volumes for some of our transfer dealings to say. I mean, Ruben Vanagra, discuss. He's 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 obviously not enough. I know, I know he's out, but you know that that's just he's been, you know, he he could have been covered at various points of the season. So yeah, it's I, t- I totally agree with Joe. It's 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 a problem really that Dice could do without this stage of the year, uh, the season. To be honest with I you, think, I think as well, isn't it, when you look at like the bink up off the back four, even someone like James Tarkovsky and probably what the last eight weeks had three different centre back partners. You know, we 
Cody, Keane, and then obviously Yanni Mina recent weeks. So there's been a real lack of consistency, hasn't he, in the, in the, essentially in the back four uh, since probably Arsenal, well, probably Aston Villa really, when Sean's actually made the decision to drop Connor Cody for, for Arsenal. But Joe Gav said there, it's a problem for Sean Dyche mm-hmm. that he doesn't want. Another problem emerged at half time when we all saw Neil Mopay warming up. I certainly saw him warming up and he was stripped and ready to come on. And must admit, I was sitting there thinking, oh, maybe Sean Dyche is going to maybe take, take the game to City, maybe change mm. things up, you know, maybe take a. Instead, our worst fears were confirmed when the ball went up and number nine was off Dominic Covert Lewin, taken off with a tight groin, mm-hmm. I think Sean Dyche said afterwards. Seems a precaution. Seems to suggest it was a bit of a precaution. He was, you know, didn't really want to take any chances, and he was left with a decision to make and, and stuff like that. But if we're talking about problems, whatever, and don't need right now, the centre forward having to come off because he's picked a knock up. Who makes them such a better team? Who's missed a large part of the season with injuries? Is the last thing that Everton fans wanted? Yeah, it's, that's the the worst injury that Everton could have. Uh, quite clearly mm. um, and again this is something we're still waiting for more information on I must admit when he didn't come out at half time I, my mind didn't initially race to injury like in, in my head I thought oh that's a kind of let's protect him this game's gone mm. and I thought that if that had been the case Same I thought that likes. was actually quite an astute decision because yeah. Evans you know if there is one player that can have he's the, he's the one player that Evans have got that can have the, the biggest impact on mm. On, on the survival. Um, so, you know, I thought, oh, maybe Deitch has been pragmatic here and just gone, well, what's the point in risking him? And I thought that would have been a sensible move. Obviously, we now know that, that it was injury concern, groin, tightness of groin. Sean Deitch again asked him about this after the game. He was saying, well, you know, a precautionary move. So, you know, Dom seemed, was apparently happy to play on. Um, which hopefully is an indication that it, it isn't that serious. So, um, you, you know, fingers crossed, that's the case. I, I'm just thinking, I remember asking Sean Deitch about Dominic Calvert-Lewin when he was withdrawn early against Arsenal back in February, and you know, Deitch said it was a precaution, <laughs> which, which, which nobody wants to hear right now. And it's only just occurred to me. So, um, obviously, we didn't see him for 10 games after that. So... <laughs> Joe Thomas um, with the perfect pick-me-up Monday message to hit some of supporters. So, so yeah. Um, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully everything, hopefully everything's okay. Again, you know, we're going to have to wait and see how it is over the coming days. But, like, you know, I think that, well, I mean, everybody knows. You don't, nobody who is listening yeah. to this needs us to talk about the impact on the final two games of the season and Evans' approach should Dominic Calvert-Lewin not be fit or not be 100%. We all know the scenario. It makes things doesn't make things impossible far from it. And the crucial thing is that the core is around and available because there were points without Dominic Calvert-Lewin when Everton looked all right going forward with, you know, but only when only when Decorey was there to support yeah. Damari Gray. I mean, why it wasn't Damari Gray that came on mm-hmm. is an interesting one, bearing in mind that they were much better at um, places like Forest when when Gray was up top rather than Mope. But yeah, I think you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. But you know, we just need to keep everything crossed that Dominic Calvert Lewin is actually fine and things are going to be okay. Yeah. Is it a case Gav, of toes crossed as well as fingers crossed now these next few days heading into to Saturday? Because 
life without Dominic Calvert-Lewin at Everton looks very bleak, doesn't it, from life with him in that team? Yeah, yeah, and, and I think Decore as well, isn't it? It's not, you know, there's, there's the return of Decore, Mina and Calvert-Lewin collectively has, has made, a, made a big difference for me. So, yeah, we just have to wait and see. I, I think Carver Lewin, he, he's. Um, I think since, since I think the worst thing about for me since he's come back, I don't know whether he's been learning a lot more about the centre forward trade, you know, trade during his his absence. But he, look, he looks a far better, more rounded footballer since he's come back than than before his injury. And even yesterday, he was he was effective in the first half, and you want that for the last two the games. And you know um, we just I say everything everything crossed. I'm just thinking because there's only two games left left of the season whether Dice might be prepared to gamble a little bit more than say if there was ten mm-hmm. games left with with his fitness if it if, if it's a marginal call um, and and see where see, see where it takes them because as you say the, the options there are just spoke about fullback options the, the options up front are, are limited but I, I I'd play Craig. If if it came back to it, I, I I don't really want. Well, I think Dice quite quite legitimately like criticism, hasn't he, over some of his tactics and selection, and that the sort of getting rid of Gray was doing quite a good job as a lone striker and then playing a front two and sins and stuff. I, I didn't agree with that, so I play Gray if Calvert-Lewin's not fit for uh, for Saturday. Joe, that is one of the real big mysteries, isn't it, of recent weeks because. Damari Gray is someone who can do something else nothing and quite ironic that, you know, we look back to the goal the has on New Year's Eve when Everton, you know, drew it Manchester City where he produced a moment out of nothing and he did do well in them games when he was the lone forward, okay. Things might he might not be able to hold the ball as well as Calvert Lewin, but he certainly gave up Everton a bit more options. He got up the pitch a lot best than what we've seen Neil Mopay do in recent weeks. But for some reason he just cannot get a look in, can he? And you know, even if you think of like Leicester away. He, you know, Sean Dyche didn't bring him on when perhaps the game's opened up and he could have made a bit of a difference in the final third, in the mm-hmm. final 10 minutes. You know, then you think of Brighton. I think he, he never come off to the, he never made it off the bench in that game either. And then obviously, you know, on Saturday comes on for the Canada, sorry, on Sunday comes on for the Canada, the last 10, 10, 15 odd minutes, but the game was gone and Everton were, were you know, it was kind of like you said earlier. You know, if Sean Dyche was back or because of shook hands, they probably would have done. It's a bit of a mystery, isn't it? How he's not, how he has so almost fell so fell from grace and almost, and he's so far down the pecking order, seemingly for Sean Dyche. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it's that much of a, a surprise. Bearing in mind that once you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin came back, he's always going to lead the line, and then you know it's it's clear. That I think you know we spoke about fullbacks a lot, and I think. McNeil and and Iwobi as the wide players are partly to help protect the fullbacks who mm-hmm. you know there's there's often been at least one player out of position you know covering them over the past six weeks or so, um, so I think once Decorey's back and once Calvert-Lewin was back it, it it made sense especially once they started to do quite well they looked good going forward against Leicester they were exceptional against Brighton, um, and you know why would you change that going into uh, Manchester City yesterday, so so no, that's not so surprise, but but you are right in the sense that one things only feel a bit. I don't feel sorry for Sean Dyche, but like I, I can understand why you know he he's been unfortunate in the sense that he stumbled across a winning formula at Everton, and that was doing well. His first ten games, mm-hmm. they, they took 
good haul of points. It was reasonably positive. You go back to 60 minutes in against Tottenham Hotspur and you're thinking, you know, Everton on a good run. They were in the ascendancy in that game. Probably would have gone. I, I genuinely think they would have gone on to have won that game had Adelaide Corey not got sent off. And once he gets sent off, that changes everything because Everton have got such so few options. Um, and he was so integral to the style of play uh, that Sean Dyche done with the con that the you know, it was a massive loss. So Sean Dyche didn't change a winning or a positive successful mm-hmm. formula. He was forced to do it and he was forced to do it with very, very limited alternative options. On the flip side, I, some of the tactical decisions he made during Decore's absence were baffling. Mm-hmm. You know, the four four two at uh, Old Trafford. And then again, to, to then stick with that to start with Fulham, um, you know, the decisions around persevere with Holgate and um, Godfrey at right back ahead of Seamus Coleman, sorry, ahead of Nathan Patterson uh, was just really, really peculiar. And then, you know, you're right. Damari Gray has proven that he can be a nuisance going forward this season under both Frank Lampard and again under Sean Dyche. Um, You know, it was a very, it was the last, it was the last option that, that, um, Deitch went for during Calvert's uh, Calvert-Lewin's absence. He started with Sims at Anfield, then he went to Morpé, and then he went to Damari Gray. When I think a lot of us probably with our starting point would have been Damari Gray. So, mm. so that was that was strange in the first place. But once he got there, it looked like Gray was working well. So it has been interesting that he hasn't had a great involvement. I mean, at Leicester, you know, Sean Deitch makes a point of not making a lot of substitutions. Um, I mean, if he had a better bench, I'd like to think he would make more, but. He's got Damari Gray there. The, the last 15 minutes against Leicester was peculiar. Evan did finish that side stronger. So, I th- you know, I thought after they rode through a bit the, bit of a storm, they finished that game the better side. Um, and McNeil and Nwobi had so much freedom in the middle of the park to push forward in, in, in the last 10 minutes. Just thought, well, I mean, Damari Gray's probably got a better end product than both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put them on with fresh legs and a bit more pace, then, you know, so it felt like a bit of an opportunity missed, I think. So... Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a peculiar one as to quite where Damari Gray fits into Sean Dyche's frame of mind, and we might find out if Dominic Calvert Lewin isn't available. But if Dominic Calvert Lewin isn't available for, on on Saturday for the Wolves game, for me, there's no question that the starting point should be Gray up top by himself. Is that something? Obviously, have you said you know you will put Gray in? Uh, have you? Being surprised at how little game time he's, he's had because you know he is like I before he is someone who can produce something out of nothing for Everton and, and has actually been a, a real kind of attacking threat where Everton have struggled to carve out attacking openings, certainly under Frank Lampard. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, as you know, those games Joe was alluding to where we played other players up, up top. I mean, I, I got, I mean, we've discussed this before whether he doesn't fancy Graham Wards like because of his work rate. Uh, I understand that and there's probably better options there, but I definitely agree that off the bench he's not been utilised enough uh, as well throughout Dice's tenure. And it's a bit, but you haven't trusted, that's what I don't really get because you say it's a question of trust, but he's trust, Dice has trusted, trusted them to play up front, hasn't he? And he's done a decent job. So mm. he, obviously, he obviously rates him enough as a player to include him in the first team, but I don't think he's done it enough. And, and the Leicester game was just crying out for, for that, that introduction, wasn't it? And 
three points there would have been, you know, we wouldn't be talking about goal difference at the start of the pod, would we really? And yeah, I, I get that. And it's one of a number of, of decisions Dice has taken while he's being here. I think I don't, I don't really understand that. But he's, he's definitely got to play on, uh, on on Saturday. And let's see. I, I think also as well, you know, with Sakurai there as well. Um, that we can we can still retain a little bit of effectiveness, but let's hope with all our fingers and legs and everything else crossed there, that eventuality won't be won't be needed. In terms of managers making decisions, Joe, a decision made in the capital on Sunday afternoon, I think raised eyebrows. From certainly, you mean the press box when we seen the West Ham team sheet, David Moyes often to make eleven changes to the side that. Beat Aza tomorrow on Thursday night for the game against Brentford. Obviously, no in real implications for Everton yesterday, but next Sunday, Leeds United visit the London Stadium to take on David Moyes' side. West Ham could potentially be in a European final by that point if they over, overcome Alkmaar in the second leg on Thursday night. I think that's an interesting thing's about to get interesting, aren't they? Because if he does make them changes again, there will be plenty of scrutiny and questions being thrown to West Ham manager from an Everton perspective. Yeah, it completely has the potential to completely change the context of the final weeks of the relegation battle. Um, you, you know, when I was, I was just, I, I did a piece of Radio 5 Live before the game yesterday. So I heard the West Ham team news as I was on the radio, you know, just before they, they brought me in. Uh, I think, you know, just had that horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach when mm. I heard it. And especially then when I kind of, I didn't really follow the games. Obviously, I was watching the Everton game, but, you know, by all accounts, it looks like West Ham put up quite a tame performance at Brentford and obviously lost. Um, you know, if if, ever, if if West Ham get through on Thursday night, and they should get through, I mean, yeah, their budget compared to, to Altmars, their players they've got available. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the fact that they already take a lead into that game, the fact they rested players yesterday, um, then all of a sudden that's it. It's a final and it might be two weeks away. Um, but that's probably has the potential to be certainly one of the biggest days in David Moyes' managerial career. Um, you know, it's, it's up there, isn't it? And, and I... I made this point, I laboured this point perhaps a little bit on Sunday afternoon and my match report on Everton was actually almost based around what happened in, in London rather than what happened on Merseyside because I thought it was told us more about the state of the next few weeks and than what was a fairly predictable defeat to Manchester City. Um, and, you know, it's it's just it's just a real concern. Like, you know, like, like a real concern because Baron, like a lot of people in response to what I did were saying, you know, West Ham aren't safe. West Ham still need to do this. They still need to do that. I think West Ham are safe. They're 37 points. They've got a far, infi- far superior goal difference than most of the teams around them. You know, the, the circumstances through which West Ham would have to go down from here, even if they were to lose their last two games, would be phenomenal. Bearing in mind that Forest, Leeds, Leicester and Everton are all behind them. So I think they are safe. Um, and in that context, why would they risk players? You really think that if they get through to that final, they're going to risk Declan Rice against that Leeds midfield, against that Leeds side, mm-hmm. which is just bookings galore every single game, like Weston McKenney and Junior Thurpo going through people like there's nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Like, you think they're going to risk like Paqueta and, and Declan Rice against that, even if it's uh, you know, the final might be another 10 days or two weeks away. I'm not sure they will be, and then 
obviously by the time you get to Leicester, it's it's the same. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a real concern for me. That is, I think. Um, I kind of obviously we're recording this on a Monday afternoon, and it, it just feel it feels like a lot is going to happen before ever next kick a ball. It's going to tell us between now and Everton, or certainly between now and the team news coming out at two o'clock on Saturday. We're probably we, we're going to find out the extent of Dominic Calvert Lewin's fitness. We're going to find out the extent of Vitaly Mikhailenko's fitness. Leicester play Liverpool tonight, and I think we all sleep a lot easier if if Liverpool are going to beat Leicester again. Yeah, that would really, really help Everton in this battle. Um, and then obviously you've got that West Ham game on on Thursday, which could have a huge impact on mm-hmm. on the final weeks of the season. So, you know, it's 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 going to be really, really interesting. And you know, I, I just think that Everton, whilst it's still largely in the, it's a it's essentially still in Everton's hands. It's, you know, they win their their final two games, not definitely up staying up but but they're they're highly highly likely mm. to stay up um but obviously the chances of doing that if you start getting injuries to first teamers reduces and also the chances of those rivals picking up more points you might initially suspect them expect them to do mm. you know it's 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 a concern isn't it so Gav, obviously you know with any battle or any fight or any you know charge towards the title or whether it be relegation you've always got to rely on yourself and not you know, worry about everyone else but Everton could do without David Moyes, an old friend, doing things like this, could he? Because you would like to think that, you know, things will stay on a, a, a level playing yeah. field as much as they can and everything will remain normal yeah. rather than, you know, a manager making wholesale changes to a, what is normally a starting lineup. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, Leeds, they play Leeds, is it Sunday, is it? Next Sunday at the way. Yeah. And then obviously, Leicester, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if even if they go go out of Europe, and I really want Moise to lift the trophy, I think it'd be great. You know, highlights of his career. But even if they go out, you know, how, how much would he be trying against Leicester anyway? Really, mm. it's going to be deflating experience, isn't it? Really, or leads. So either way, it, it's it's going to be a problem whether in in the Conference League or not. So yeah, it, it's just. It's, these things, quirky things, have a habit of throwing themselves up from time to time, isn't it? And Mo- Moyes is having Everton's Premier League future in his palm of his hand. Is um, is definitely in there, isn't it? Really, but let's hope for results on on Saturday, and we don't need to discuss that anyway. That would be the perfect week for me. West Ham get through, Everton win Saturday, so. We can sort of, you know, the Leeds game is still obviously important on the Sunday, but that's when the play. But I think we're the first. I know we talk about saying the week, but I think we're the first team to play, aren't we, on Saturday? I think yes, everybody else plays half five, then Leeds yeah, Sunday. That's, that's a, you know, so that's a big opportunity, isn't it, to put put a marker down and scare everybody else on on Saturday. So as Joe said, it's going to be an incessant week. Even before we kick the ball on Saturday afternoon, isn't it really? There's lots of movable parts there that affect us indirectly. So yeah, it'd be be it'd be an interesting few days on the old social media and the Echo website and stuff, keeping up get, getting updates. I mean, Gav's not asking for much there, Joe, is he? Just a West Ham win on or West Ham get through on Thursday night. Everton win next week. He's not asking for much there, is he? Just, you know, I mean, too, sure too, simple, too simple request, and I'm sure, you know, yeah. can be fulfilled. I mean, I'm sure it's perfect. <laughs> we could include Liverpool B 
beaten Leicester as well. So, I mean, you would surely... Yeah, deep, deep inside, maybe, but not... <laughs> yeah. not... One, word, one word, Bournemouth. Well, yeah. yes, of course. Yeah. I don't live in a different place now, aren't they? It's what they were when they played Bournemouth, I think. But, you know, again, these things just have a habit of, yeah. of, of, of coming back here, don't they? Yeah, I think we're. I think as I said, I think we'll. I think we've all got an easy feeling about tonight, and uh, I think we'll all sleep much better if it goes the way that the odds and the form book point to. Um, I'm an easy feeling about the next couple of weeks, Joe. For being, yeah, for being honest, it's, it's one of those. Isn't it? Like it's, it looks likely again. Obviously, Everton can pull themselves out of this if if they go and win it at Wolves. Um, but it depends which Everton turns up. Depends which Everton players are available. Well, course, it depends. Yeah. Wolves have riding on it, you know. Um, is it going to be the Wolves that go out and that went out and got? You know, is it going to be the Wolves that went out and got absolutely smashed by Brighton? Yeah, like, like the beach, yeah. Or is it going to be the Wolves that turn out the next week and and then beat in Aston Villa? Probably beat what the second most informed side mm-hmm. in the Premier League, and you're there and you're thinking, what's going on? I tell you what, I am kind of intrigued by next Saturday because I think it might end up being what the game comes down to to a certain extent. It's a prospect of, especially having watched him against Haaland the other day, Yeri Mina versus Diego Costa. It's, I mean, that's got trouble written all over it, mm. that, hasn't it? I think, yeah, Costa, that, that, that. Costa I think the Dylan VAR official said if Yeri Mina comes up against Costa, won't they, just to um, <laughs> keep an eye on everything, you know? Just, yeah, that's that's an incestant one. So yeah, Guardiola's comments were incestant yesterday, weren't they, about Mina, the source at the end? Even more interesting was Sean Dyche's comments in yeah, response to yeah. him. Um, yeah. They raise a good point, actually, Sean Dyche in the sense of, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it hasn't actually played that many games of football this season, no. you know, essentially. But, right, gents, I think we will leave things there. I think we've chewed fast enough overall things ever at Manchester City. But we will, of course, be back on Friday to look back on a huge Sean Dyche pre-match press conference, which we expect should take place on Thursday afternoon. And of course, look ahead to next weekend's huge game at Molyneux as Everton take on Wolverhampton Munch in the Premier League. But for today, thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.